just a quick disclaimer before this episode of the Stab Cusp. Uh, Stace and I are obviously in different parts of the world, and connection is not always the best in Hawaii. So the first part of this episode, my audio sounds terrible, but I promise you it gets better. And who knows, maybe one day Stace and I will be able to actually sit down and share a beer and a microphone together. Uh, But for now, hope you enjoy the show, and yeah, let's jump into it. Welcome back. This is episode two of season two of The Stab Cusp. I am Michael Saramella, joined by my co-host, Stace Galbraith. Stace, what are you uh, drinking over there? I actually am drinking a beer out of my son's cooler bottle. So, yeah, father of the year right there, because uh, I left mine in the car. So, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm drinking. What are you? Well, not- you guys start them young over there. I, I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not say um I'm a bit I'm still a binge drinker at 30, but um certainly during the potties it's it's always it's always good to have one to um loosen the lips as they say. Anyway, what's been going on, man? Uh, honestly, like we have a lot to talk about. I know we tried to do a podcast after pipe, but a few things like Christmas and whatever got in the way and then we're going to hold this one until before sunset, but now <laughs> that seems like it's uh, maybe a long way off, maybe maybe 12 months off or so. Yeah, that's a that's a real bummer. I actually didn't really think that I missed pro surfing until Pipe came and went, and I was so frothing on watching it. And I was really excited to see how the top 36 and 18 would go out at sunset. So to have that taken away from us is disappointing for us as fans but i'm sure even more disappointing for the athletes involved who've you know committed to get over there speaking of which you're over there what's the vibe like uh sunshine and rainbows it's hawaii um the swell has been probably better than i've ever seen it for like an extended period in hawaii it just seems like there's waves every day even the weather has been mostly favorable um and guys and girls seem to be just be getting kind of like crazy barrels or turns or whatever the the day calls for just on a really, really regular basis, um, which is cool in regards to the one event that is left over, which is the Vans Digital Triple Crown. Um, so at least the surfers have something to be like kind of vying for if they're sticking around here. Yeah, for sure. And I can't remember, you probably know better than me. There's like big coin for that, right? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it's 50K for the men and 50K for the women for like the outright winner of the three event thing. And then I think there are additional prizes for each individual venue. So I think you could probably walk away with like 65 or 75K if you just swept the whole thing, aka if your name is maybe John John Florence. Um, Everyone else might have some trouble with that, but. Yeah, on that, I did notice a, a bit of an exodus of a few of the Aussie surfers as soon as they could leave, which did surprise me a little bit um, because they've certainly done longer legs before. But I guess so, certainly the fragility of international travel at the moment, I, I guess you'd probably just get on a flight if you could. And maybe the wave that John John posted at Halieva also helped that decision. Um, I don't think I've seen a, a better wave ever surf there. 
except for Margot <laughs> yeah. on Christmas Day in Wonder Jar. But yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I've definitely noticed that there have been a few people leaving. Um, we've seen in Instagram stories now that the kind of quarantine hotel situation is becoming very real for the Australians. <laughs> um, so we wish them the best in their mental and physical health over the next two weeks. And um, yeah, I guess, I guess in their mind, it's kind of like they knew they'd have to do it at some point. So you might as well just rip the Band-Aid off. Rather than yeah, kind every, of like being, everyone's gonna have to do it. <laughs> this is just the precursor. Yeah. Oh. Everyone except Jeff Freestone, he's got a loophole. What's his loophole? Is he in a sailing or something? No, her name's Alana Blanchard. How does they get how do they get a loophole? Oh well she, he just doesn't have to leave. Yeah, he's coming home. What are you talking about? Is he? they're all coming here at some point they got to surf the next world tour event which is in april and they got to leave america in early march so oh you're you're sipping the kool-aid what do you mean you think they're gonna run an event in april they're gonna bring them out here that's (laughs) that's all i'll say about that well yeah i guess there's there's a lot left to be seen um of Mm. course we wish the wsl the best of luck in all of their future contest running endeavors but um I'm just a bit skeptical. Just, you know, it's not their fault. It's just the way the world is right now. And Australia in particular seems pretty strict. And I'm sure they're working with all the, you know, correct government officials and everything. But as we've seen in Hawaii, even the best laid plans often go awry. So, um, yeah, it's going to be another another doozy of the year. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be that sort of pregnant waiting feeling that we had a lot last year as well. And kind of, you know, hoping for the best, but who knows what will really happen. Oh, I really like that description. That was, that's pretty spot on. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a bummer that, I mean, I just feel for everyone that's obviously worked so hard to get it done um, and just, yeah, couldn't, couldn't pull it off. I mean, to my knowledge, it was Hawaii that shut down the surfing and then it was the WSL that shut down Santa Cruz, but that makes sense to me. Like you couldn't wait around just for Santa Cruz. Um, I think it was cool that they just ripped the cord and told everyone that, hey, we're this is it. We're done for, for that start of the season, which is pipe only. And we're moving forward to Australia, which I think gives everyone a bit of clarity and can move forward on that, though. Yeah, which, in a way, mm-hmm. we didn't lose any events, it, just at least if you're thinking about it in terms of, like, prior years, right? Like, Santa Cruz and Sunset were never on the CT, or at least not in the recent um past so we're kind of giving up two like novelty-ish events um so it's yeah it's not so bad if they actually do get australia off the ground now who's drinking the kool-aid what a positive spin i love it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah you're right but they they would you know not in recent years they hadn't been there so it wasn't like we'd really missed out too much though we do lose time um postponing or cancelled i actually don't know which ones they are but you can't really postpone sunset much longer if they want to finish trestles in september which they do want to do that so that's you could scrap any more hawaii events for the year um on the north shore and then you know you're right about australia being strict like you know for anyone that cares there was one case in brisbane the other day brisbane's in queensland the greater brisbane area went into lockdown for three days that's two million people for one case that's pretty fucking amazing actually like i can't believe there's only one case to begin with and mm. then yeah just taking such sharp measures it's uh 
yeah, I guess I, I don't know. I don't know how I, like, I don't know if I think that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, it is what it is, I suppose. I agree. I don't know what I would do if I was in power, but as far as a surfing event's concerned, Victoria is the same. And that's where they want to run the first event, Bells. Like if someone farts down there, they're shutting that shit down. <laughs> so I have no doubt they're going to bring everyone to Australia. <laughs> it's just going to be interesting to see what they can actually run in that two-week period. And it's just a literally a roll of the dice at this point as to whether or not anyone's active in that you know, period with, with, with the spicy lung. So we'll see. I hope, I hope it's all good, but it's, it's yeah. Um, hope's a bit of a risky word when you're dealing with people's lives and whatnot. Anyway, um, should we should we get into like Pipe and Honolulu? I feel like we owe those events, especially since they will be our last events for a while, a proper little recap. Yeah, 100%. Ladies first. Um, unfortunate circumstances over there. Um, that That's um, one of the saddest things you could ever imagine, right? It's such a beautiful place. It's the last thing you'd think about. So, yeah. Um, and then they obviously moved over to Oahu and, and finished at Pipe, which was, um, yeah, unfortunately, it looks it looks pretty tricky. But um, it was good to see them, I think, make that move. And now the the girls know that, well, this is what you got to get ready for. Yeah, and just for anybody that's not clear on what Stace is alluding to, they started the event at Honolulu, had a really great first day with um, beautiful waves. They were meant to finish the event the following day. Um, I think there was only like four or five heats left to run. But that morning in the free surf, a local surfer was attacked by a shark and eventually died from the injuries. So the WSL basically moved camp and allowed the women to surf in the Pipe Masters competition window. So they they finished the four or five heats over there. And uh, of course, Tyler Wright uh, became our champion on some some sleepy forehand turns in the final. <laughs> what did you think about that? Uh, Tyler winning over Carissa. Carissa was the only one who got a little barrel in the final. Um, bizarre final, wasn't it? Um, I think yeah, I think the judging was right. Carissa had the highest score, right? From memory. Uh, I believe you're right. Yes, I think so. Yeah, been. surfing's two waves. Chris just didn't have a backup. Like it was bizarre. It was bizarre to think that Tyler's last wave was a counting ride. That's what turned the heat. Chris had turned the heat yeah. on the buzzer, and then Tyler turned it again on the, the you know the next ten seconds. So it was actually really entertaining, even though it was really low scoring. One of the lowest scoring finals I can ever remember. Doesn't mean it wasn't entertaining it was down to the wire and it, it went back and forth twice so yeah um it was good to see carissa you know getting barreled on the back end i just think that's such a um hard thing to do um you know you've seen it in the wave pool and that's a perfect little left barrel um so you know it's really there's really a big divide down the middle as to who can and who can't so it was cool to see her pull that off in the ocean and sort of unlike her to have that no backup situation in the heat, but yeah, Tyler surfed her last wave like it like it mattered, which it did. Even though it wasn't a fantastic ride, it, it got her the win. So good, good on her for having that presence of mind to, you know, never give up, as they say. What did you think generally of the women's performance at Pipe? 
Um, I think it, it. I think it showcased um, how tricky that wave is because they're all phenomenal surfers, but they, you know, bit of room to grow there. I think um, it's a hard wave to surf, though. Like I'm not going to say they didn't do well. They did well, but it's definitely I think put into perspective, um, you know, how challenging that lineup is, and particularly with no one out there, you got nothing really to line up against. You know. As you've seen, you can paddle out with your coach or you can paddle out with a local who knows that wave. Um, but when you're out there on your own, particularly on with that kind of wind swept, broken up swell, it's it's a hard hard lineup to navigate. Even though it looks like one peak, it's definitely not. So, um, yeah, um, I think they did they did all right. And I think they'll be looking forward to another chance at it. And do you think that... What did you think? That you is something... How long have you been there for? No. I was not there for pipe. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, you know, Chris, I got a good wave, I think in the semi, um, Tyler got a little kind of like cover up pocket ride, sort of a barrel and like a good wave. She just wasn't super deep. Um, Tati sent it on a couple for sure. Um, so I think the intention was there. I think that ultimately it's just going to like with everything, it's just going to take them putting in the time. I don't think it's a skill level thing at all. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just a like to me, it's like I want to see the women get more of those opportunities at pipe. I know we've talked about this so many times, but I also feel like in order for that to be like kind of justified, like they need to put in the hours out of the jersey, you know, like they need to be out there on every day that, you know, Baron Mamiya and Noah Bestian are out there. Um, yeah. trying to kind of earn their stripes, you know what I mean? Which they've done and, and they're young and, you know, they, they live there. Um, obviously Tyler doesn't live there, but Carissa um, lives in the, I think the South shore, but she's over in the North shore a bunch. Tati obviously is Kauaian, but um, I think she spends a fair bit of time in the North shore. And yeah, I think ultimately it's going to become a stop on the women's tour. And I think that they should plan accordingly. Um, yeah, I agree. And, I you know, think- they, I think the event was pretty lucky that they, um, I mean, not lucky, but it was terribly unlucky. But the fact that the women's event started from the quarterfinal onwards, I think was a, a good reflection of probably who's, who's actually ready to surf it. Um, and I think that the, everyone that maybe didn't make the quarters, um, you know, speaking to Malia and that over there, like she kind of knew that she's spending some time out there and she's started to chip away at that. Like, I think that they know They've seen now that they, it will be on, you know, the cards in the future. Um, I don't know for certain if that'll be next year, but certainly you can see that, like you say, their intention is there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see them. And I totally agree. It's just a timing thing. And that lineup isn't getting any less crowded with, with men or women, but it doesn't matter. You've still got to be out there. And it's the only way, you know, it's the only way you're going to start to feel comfortable out there. And whether it's Pipe or Tahiti or... You know, we've seen them, the girls out North Point and even sort of solid Kira in the last couple of years. So, yeah, that's, that's where the tour is heading and it, it's, it's, it's cool to see. Sweet. So, yeah, the men at Pipe, uh, were you impressed? What stood out to you? Yeah, what, what happened? Give us a recap. I almost forget. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm having to jog my memory too. Um, to me, it didn't really feel like Gabe got out of first gear but still got second. 
Um, yeah, that's pretty fucking, yeah, on the point. <laughs> oh, I was tripping. He was just so comfortable out there. He's the best in the modern era. Like, I can't remember, five finals from seven years or something. It's absolutely an unbelievable stat. Um, and um, he's, he's, uh, he kind of falls apart. That's fine. No, nah, he no, nah, he doesn't fall apart. That's fine. He, he was he was he him in that final was even nearly like so close to being perfect. Get the two, get your scores on the board. Wait for the next best wave and win the heat. And that's what he did. He was on the best wave. It just kind of clamped and he didn't make it. I think strategically he served perfect final. It was just the execution didn't quite come off. And then you know we're going straight into the deep end there. But about that final it was so good to see John John scrap after kind of missing the first exchange, waiting with priority, getting a closeout, Gabby bettity situation again. Like that was kind of a disaster start. He couldn't have had a worse start. So to see him fight back um, and work really hard to get some small scores, but put him right back in the heat and it was enough to get the job done. I thought that was, you know, kind of a side of him I hadn't really seen a lot of. Like, I, you know, coming from behind against Gabe, that would have taken every bit of, of, of what he had. And I'm, I'm stoked he did it because he's um, certainly, you know, I don't like to use the word deserve, but if there's anyone that deserves a pipe master, it's, it's him. Yeah. And I imagine that must've been just gnawing at him. Like I was even the idea that like Italo got a pipe masters before him, like nothing against Italo, but he just is a guy who kind of just showed up, you know what I mean? And John has just been there. Like, his wave really and mm. um yeah it just must have killed him to see these people get them before him and i think this was probably just a relief more than it felt like a a huge victory it was just like kind of getting the monkey off the back and um isn't that sad yeah. i totally agree but isn't that it's a bummer that that's that feeling it's almost like he yeah. gave me that feeling though watching him win it was like ah yeah. oh. There it is. Like, I don't know. I'm sure he was stoked after, but certainly in the moment, it was like, it was like relief and despair rather than like pure stoke. I don't know. That could be completely wrong, but it just sort of how it felt <laughs> through the screen. Yeah. I mean, uh, can you believe that's the first um, hollow reef event that John John has ever won in 28 years? Well, 20 years of life, maybe eight years on the CT. Um, uh, I had this really weird kind of thought one day uh, when North Point was just firing and I was watching Jack Robbo do things that no one on tour was doing and I just thought it doesn't matter if he wins this event or not he's the best out there you can't argue that you know maybe in 30 minutes he doesn't pull it off that's cool plenty of people don't pull it off in 30 minutes but what he's seen this morning that I've watched that would be his vision no one's seeing that and I'd say John's done that at Cloudbreak and Pipe. So I certainly think that at Cloudbreak. Like some of his surfing at Cloudbreak is right up there on that Kelly level. And yeah, he hasn't won. But there's, I think, 35 of that 36 would take his his waves just to see what he's done. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. But don't you know um, what I mean? Like I know winning is sick and everything, but at the end of the day, like, Fuck, Jack Robbo must have seen some shit. Oh my god. <laughs> um, and and back to uh to that as well is um you're talking about John scrapping in the final, also in the semi. Um, that that opening exchange, him paddling like straight 
under Slater so that Slater couldn't get into that wave. Or I guess you could argue, argue that Slater paddled on top of him. But wh however you see it, it was like there was no question about it. Like they were fucking going just, uh, yeah, kind of horn to horn for that opening ride. And then, you know, it's playful, but it's also very serious between those two. It is 100,000% super serious. And I'm claiming that's payback for the 2013 final where Slater went left on the first wave and didn't let John go right. Because Kelly was steam coming out of his ears because Mick had just won the title and he was not given an inch. And I'm claiming <laughs> John had that in the back of his mind and he knew that. And he's like, I'm not letting, I'm not splitting this peak with you. This is just me all day. Get out of my way. I saw that and just was so frothing that he did that. <laughs> he didn't back down at all. How did you feel about the, uh, the interference at the end? Um, apart from everyone who had Kelly in their team for fantasy, which I didn't, I was kind of, didn't really think too much of it. I just noticed that they'd changed the rule and you'd lost both your scores now. So um, congratulations to Gabriel Medina for enforcing a rule change. I think that's a huge mark on your career. It's almost up there with a the world title. How many rules can you change in your career? There's one. Well done. He might have more. I can't remember. Adriano certainly chalked up a few. And then that interference was, he, it happens all the time. Like, you know, they know they've lost and they want to get the last barrel because it's the, the last event they're going to surf for the year or, or a while. So, you know, John got to surf another heat after that. That was Kelly's last heat. So, yeah, I can see. I can see Kelly's reasoning for doing that. What did you think of it? Yeah, no, same thing. It just, like you said, it reminded, because I remember when we did, I think it was our second ever podcast uh, last year after the Pipe Masters, and we were talking about that whole thing, and we discussed whether we thought a rule would be enforced in 2020, and we pretty much agreed that it would. And, uh, yeah, this was just that kind of coming to fruition. It was just like a reminder because I, I had forgotten that it was a thing. So it was pretty uh, funny. I got a little giggle out of it. I was like, whoa, how did... I thought it was a glitch on the site. I was like, what do you mean Slater's here? I just watched this heat. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, yeah, I, same. I was scratching my head just as I was scratching my head when Gabby burnt Kayo because on first watch, I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't done the math properly at the time. So yeah, yeah, like I said, it's a real feather in your cap getting a rule change. But yeah, I, um, I definitely think, uh, oh, actually, no, shout out to my boy, Jack Freestone as well. He was looking gnarly in those early rounds. How was that one that he just like casually stood through and it was like chandeliering like all around him, but he was somehow in this little orb of protection? It, it, yeah. He, um, a couple of years ago, we had that really, really cool cyclone swell and it was him and Cruzy were doing step-offs at a few different spots that were just way too sweepy to paddle. And um, he was just riding his normal shortboard in like sizable caverns, standing bolt upright in waves that you just need your whole body to ride through the pit. And he was just coming out like it was nothing. He hands down dominated that swell. And I think he's just sort of, yeah, carried that over from that like he's an incredible frontside tube rider and i was stoked to see it come off because i know um they made the decision to go back to hawaii early in the year so he went through the hawaiian summer kind of just training and jujitsu and running and swimming and i'm sure he was just so frothing to be back in the hawaiian winter and it was it was cool to um to see it pay off so yeah i was i was pumped for him and uh 
yeah, he doesn't seem to get affected by chandeliers, except for the hit against Gabby, which he just got knocked off his board, and that was a real bummer. Mm, yeah, but on that point, like, fuck. I don't think anybody looks anywhere. In, well, actually, no, there's two people, and ironically, they got first and second in this event. But are you on the same page that just in terms of, like, looking solid on a surfboard, Medina and John are just so head and shoulder. Like, I, I know it's the most basic thing ever, but it's like in surfing, you just need to stay on your board, and it just doesn't look like those guys can get knocked off. They just look so incredibly strong. Like, just, like, freaking, like, blocks of wood that are just locked onto their surfboard. Well, not only with John does he look strong, but he, he looks really good doing it. It's incredible how good his style is in the, the heaviest of situations, like life-threatening situations. He just looks so calm. It's a real, you know, his best attribute, I think, is his style. So I think it's it's crazy to see it in action. Um, which kind of leads me to something I was thinking about the whole event. Like, I actually think he was getting cooked on his best waves and overscored on his fives and sixes did you Wait, kind of have that feeling are you thinking about the wave in the final where he stayed in the barrel for like way too long like it was like one section and then it was it was a section where you would normally come out of the section and go into the next section but he never came out of the first section he was like behind it and he came out and he like surprised himself pretty much he was like what the fuck like where was i mm. Yeah, you know yeah. what wave I'm talking about. I do know that wave, and I also think the left. I think both of those waves um, had a little sprinkle on them. I, I, I just think for his level, like he might have surprised himself, but it, that's you know, I don't think that's necessarily indicative of being a huge score. Agreed, but the, just the control, like you know, at this level, anybody can take off on the best wave and get a nine because to them that's just riding the wave but what he did on that you know it was a small wave and it wasn't particularly long he had to slow down which judges obviously don't like very much but to me like in a video part that wave is better and more interesting than is the perfect wave that you just kind of like race through and you come out the end for like sure it, it's, it's, got that, it's a way it's got harder that, thing to do it's got that stab instagram shock factor which for sure that wave had but I just thought some of his eights and nines were in a field of their own. And I just don't think that like the bloke getting a seven on the next wave, there's like enough separation there, but whatever, he won the event. So you can't really worry, but it's just one of those things where I was just watching some of the shit he was doing and I was just so blown away and it was like 8.5. And on my head, I'm going, that was a fucking nine, nine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, They are just truly like, the alpha males like there's Mm. just absolutely no debate whatsoever just how confident they look on a surfboard and how strong they look like i don't know even like gab didn't even like have a good event if you look at his heat scores like he didn't really put any great heats together um but it just didn't matter he just never looked like he could lose really no for sure He, he just looks so like his positioning and that is just crazy i think the only person that can really sort of rival him out there at the moment would be Jamie. He, he looks ridiculously solid on his board too, but he didn't make it through the trials this year. So, you know, that, that's that, but he um, never makes it through the trials. He is like the worst trial surfer of all time in relation to his ability. Yes, that's correct. I don't know what he did in 2004, but he obviously surfed enough heats in the prior to the main round to make it through when it, everyone got in. But 
yeah, he certainly um, probably could have one more win under his belt. The four-man heat's a gnarly, though. They suck. There's a different kettle of fish when there's four of them out there. But um, on that note, and speaking about video parts, I've had a gutful of Griffin Colapinto dropping a video ender every single day on his Instagram. Like, he would have the most psycho Hawaii section right now. It'd be one of the most all-time great Hawaii sections. Like, if it was in, like, a Stranger Than Fiction or a, a Campaign 2 or something, you'd just be going, it'd be the ender. <laughs> and it's just going on Instagram every day. And it, it's, it's, he's having the best season by the look of it. And on that, I'm frothing for him. But I'm also devoted as, like, a surf movie enthusiast that that'll just never be in a surf movie. It's just been and gone. Oh, it'll, I mean, it's, it's, I agree. It's, it's, it's a different world now, but I think that, you know, eventually some sort of film documentary or whatever will be made about Griffin and we'll be able to see these waves in a context that is more fitting, more befitting of their kind of like quality. And I think that they will be super impactful in like a later date, you know, imagine watching these waves in five or 10 years, you'd be like, oh my God, I forgot about this shit. That is like the most outrageous. I mean, yeah. it's mostly backdoor, right? Like to me, guys like Ethan and uh, Jack Robinson and John John have kind of been owning the Sunset Haliva realm, but Griffin, for whatever reason, is just really connected with backdoor this year. He is tapped right in. I think he's laying his crystals out the front yard at night or something. He's looking psycho. So, mm. yeah. Um, couldn't put it together in the comp, but it's kind of the same thing, right? Some of the waves he's had this season, are you forget about the comp in an instant. He's had some incredible tubes. You know, on that note, we saw a pipe master for 2020, but there will be no 2020 world champion. Kind of just dawned on me the other day. That is very true. Um, so I guess <laughs> to that point, um, yeah, good on Carissa, I guess, who was planning on taking the year off anyway but basically got to retain her seed got to retain her reigning champion sort of aura into what is hopefully a 2021 season and our condolences go out to the first japanese surfer to never make the tour amuro suzuki that is a crying shame she's a, a wonderful young lady with an awesome family and um you know, she'll just have to battle it out on the QE for another year. Unfortunately, her results on the QE were, I think, up and down would be an understatement. She won a prime and then every other event she got dead last. So I hope that she can find that um, good fortune again, maybe get a little bit more consistent with her results and just lock in a spot. Because I think that she's one of those surfers that would really fit the world tour, but the QS would be something that she probably wouldn't have spent too many years on. Yeah, I actually, um, I surfed with uh, Amuro and Carissa and Bronte McCauley one day here out at Sunset. And it was interesting to see the kind of difference in approach. Um, I think Amuro is probably one of the first times she'd surfed out there. And she was kind of hanging in the wide inside section i think mainly just trying to like scope the lineup out as you know there's like a thousand different places you can sit or at least there are when i look at it maybe in reality it's a little bit more together but i just don't see the matrix or whatever um Ask yeah, Jack Robo. he sees the matrix <laughs> yeah um 
so yeah, so Amura was sitting kind of wide and inside. I think she was probably picking off um, kind of some of those like swingy ones. Carissa was in the middle. She was working with um, she was working with Joel Santeo, um, and she was sitting, I'd say, in like the main peak area where it really kind of gets like grunty and and stuff. And then Bronte was out there uh, by herself, kind of just doing like laps and not in the way that it's like oh fucking who is this chick paddling around everyone it was just like she just she saw the matrix in my eyes like and it was like really clear like she would go super deep somehow get a wave all the way across and then paddle back out and then like be kind of like going through the lineup and then this set peaks up and somebody misses it and she turns around last second and swings on that and yeah she just like looked so comfortable out there it was unbelievable whereas like carissa was being a little more selective and you know trying to kind of like wait for the perfect one bronte was just like swing on anything that comes in and just start hammering it um so that was pretty cool to see i i'd never surfed with her before but she is unbelievably comfortable in big waves mm. Yeah. And I think she's like one of the surfers that unfortunately didn't make the quarterfinal jump across from Honolulu to Pipe, but she's one of the surfers that, you know, definitely put in their time in the, in the heavier hollow waves throughout the Australian winter up in the Northwest. Um, so hopefully she gets her chance at some of those bigger waves in the future. Cause I think that she's earned her stripes for sure. So, uh, Stace, since we're not going to have 2020 world champions, I was hoping I could get your picks for the 2020 Stab Surfers of the Year. You most definitely can. Um, I think it's the sickest concept ever. Um, Honoured to even throw a vote in because it's something that I'm like really critical of myself of because I feel like I should be able to just spit it out really easy, but I always battle with it always worry that I'm going to forget someone. Um, but yeah, let's roll. Ladies first. All right. So ladies first. Yeah. So who is your, your number one woman who's the most impressive or exciting or enthralling surfer of 2020 for you? Should I go five to one? Uh, yeah. Most people hate going that way because they're not able to like remember who's going to be ahead. But if you, if you want to go that way, let's do it um yeah i can remember um i'll keep the back back half kind of just whip through it so we can get to number one um tyler Wright, number five thought she had an amazing return to competition after a pretty turbulent two years to say the least um oh well, it was somewhat of a return she was second at honolulu 12 months ago and then winning pipe like she's done well there uh, number four, Justine Dupont, having a red hot crack at Mavericks yesterday. So I had her at number four. Well, that doesn't count. That's 2021. Oh, wow. Well, she's been charging all the last 2020 anyway over in over in Europe. So I can still throw her in there. Uh, and I just think, too, she's one of those surfers, like we spoke about with Bronte, that's kind of like earned their stripes and climbed the ladder to the top of the peak of big wave surfing. So I think that's like really cool to see. Um, number three, I can't pick them all, but I'm going to pick who I think is the head of the, I guess you could call them the ladybirds, uh, Katie Simmers. I think that she's got a rad style, 
Um, and yeah, I watched her surf at the US Open a couple of years ago in the juniors and was super impressed. It's cool to see her improve crazy, like her air style, so sick. Uh, number two, young Malia. She just kind of made the jump over from Kauai to Oahu and um, she's been working on a little project that's going to come out soon. So she's been sending me some clips and I think they look really sick. So I'm excited for everyone to see that. And then, yeah, we were just speaking about her and I have no hesitation and I'm hoping that she gets a few more votes from everyone else because I think she deserves it, is Bronte McCauley, uh, number one for me in 2020 for the females. And I think we've kind of covered why. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, it's a really well-considered list. So uh, who do you get to the men? Try to be diverse. Um, we will chuck a junior in there. Um, I in into my junior i'll split it up um my junior number one i chucked him in the men's last year but he's still a junior so i'm going to chuck him in the juniors this year and that's jai glinderman after his performance in the abstract something something with harrison roach i thought that was a sick film and i thought jai's surfing in that was incredible i think one of the boards he was riding was a sean stussy twin fin and it made me want to surf um a twin fin. So that's what I did after I watched that clip. That was sick. Jai is going to be ridiculously good. He charges, he's got a gnarly style and he's a good kid. So he's my number one. Moving over to the blokes. Um, number five, going to throw some love to the younger brother of the Colapinto clan, who I also think is having a huge Hawaii season. And that's, Crosby, I know it's 2021, but it's only been seven days. And I think he got most of his waves in 2020. I hope he did anyway. Um, so yeah, Crosby, Colapinto, number five. Um, John John Florence, number four. Italo Ferreira, number three. Because it just... Wait, didn't... wait, wait. Why, why John John? Sorry, we, we need a little description. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, I just think watching him in the month leading up to Pipe, he did enough for me to make my list. There was a couple of turns. Um, one in particular, just that one carve. Uh, I think at Rockies that was really, really special. Um, and then he's the 2020 pipe master. I don't think I need to justify him at number three any further than that, Mikey. <laughs> You're number four, right? I uh, number four. Yep. Sorry. Number three was Italo because he didn't look like he was affected by COVID one bit. He just kept surfing everything from like Nazare to the Maldives to just everything in between jet ski whippings at home. And yeah, he's just an entertainment machine. Uh, I love him. He's not really relatable to me though, because I'll never do an air in my life, but I still love watching him surf. Um, num this was actually a really hard one for me because I've been loving this kid all year, but I'm going to put him in at number two and that's uh, Rio Waida from Indonesia. I think he was my Instagram world champ for 2020. He's improved out of sight. Uh, fortunately for him, his downtime was spent in Indonesia and they had an amazing swell season. So he reaped the full benefits of that and the clips that he'd been putting up were crazy. So it was, um, you know, He's looking like he's ready for the world tour. And he was a, you know, a junior two years ago. So it was cool to see him like make that progression. And then number one for me, 
just based on the fact that I kind of sort of knew how hard he'd been working on his clip for. It was probably the better part of 12 months. Um, had some incredible big left barrels. And that's uh, Jacob Wilcox. I think his clip for me just put him right up the top of my list for surfer of the year. So, yeah. And he's a good Aussie cobber. So, you know, that sort of helped my decision. <laughs> And then you got me down for film of the year as well, right? I've got to give film of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had to remind me. I'm not, not going to get out of that, but I'm glad you did remind me because, um, again, it was awesome to see someone put so much effort into a film um, because it's something that, you know, I believe that we all watch a few times, not just once. And I've certainly done that with this movie and that's Pentecostal with uh, Wade Goodall and done up with Shane Fletcher. I just thought that was a great band of surfers and it reminded me how gnarly Wade was um, at surfing. He had a couple of horror, horror years with injuries back to back and to see him at, you know, plus 30 still going really hard was, was awesome to see the variety of the surfing and the variety of the waves and the soundtrack and everything. And that was psycho. So yeah, good on those boys. And did you get the pizza? Oh my God. So uh, I had a few messages from a few friends like, Oh, are you getting the pizza? And I'm like, Oh no, nah, it's only in America boys. We're just gonna have to tune in. And then the movie started playing or whatever. And everyone's just throwing up pizzas from Justin Lane on the Gold Coast. <laughs> I'm going, Oh wow. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't get the pizza and I sold all the boys down the river and they didn't get the pizza either. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, looks like you owe some some of the boys some pizzas i do yeah they're gonna get domino's pizza though they're not gonna get justin Lane. um what about All you right. Mikey? uh so that, that was a that was a great list thank you for that um that will go into our yeah stab surfer of the year feature which will be dropping any day now actually uh we're gonna roll out I think five people a day for like 10 days. And at the end of it, we will tally up all of the points. It's basically five points for first place, four for second, all the way through. Um, and yeah, we'll end up with a male, a female, a junior, and a best film for Surfers of the Year. So uh, anyway, on to mine. Um, yeah, I'll go with the females too. Uh, number five, I have Aaron Brooks. And I think Coco Ho said it best that her surfing is just gym perfect. Like everything about her like body mechanics, just incredible. And the fact that she's only been surfing for a few years is pretty mind blowing to me. It just goes to show that, you know, hard work is one thing, but you know, some people are just kind of made for surfing that, you know, natural talent can't be denied. And yeah, her ability in the air and increasingly on the face, especially as presumably she'll, she'll be getting a little bit bigger over the next few years. And I think that if she adds a little weight to her frame and to her turns, she is going to be a serious problem for women on the championship tour. Uh, coming in at number four is Carissa Moore, uh, mainly for reasons that I stated um, earlier just in that she was completely prophetic in basically saying she was taking off 2020 and then 2020 just decided to take off itself so um, I thought that was pretty 
cool and funny. And she also dropped a film this year, which I thought was really, really well done. Um, really interesting kind of like documentary, but in a cool and lighthearted way, um, done by Peter Hamblin, I believe. And yeah, I thought she uh, deserved some praise for that. Uh, number three, Sierra Kerr, just pretty unbelievable. Um, and just the fact that her two favorite things and her two strengths in surfing are barrels and airs, which I think historically we would agree would be the two things that women have really struggled to kind of compete with. Um, and that she's just making them the full focus of her surfing is like amazing to me. And obviously kind of led by her dad, Josh, in that regard, who is always probably the best at those two things as well. Um, and it's just so much fun to watch her surf and, you know, everything in the pool to Indo and she's just gotten so good so fast and it's awesome to watch. Um, number two, I have Betty Lou Sakura Johnson, who to me has probably the biggest forehand turn for a 15 year old girl like ever. I think Carissa was probably also like super gnarly at that age. Obviously, I think uh caroline might have qualified at that age as well but um yeah as far as just like opening up on a freaking Hollyva right hander i've never seen a girl under 18 or maybe any girl <laughs> as big and as well as she does she's just incredible and i i mean to me she looked like she was basically almost matching carissa's power at honolua as well um and she almost beat carissa in that uh man-on-man -man heat that they had it was basically like she didn't fall in an end turn and she walked past the 2019 world champion as a wild card uh so that is pretty terrifying if you're the rest of the tour and number one i have caitlin simmers um Ooh. like you said she just has the most pleasing style and her technique is also amazing, but not in this way that I would say is like gym perfect. It's more in like a John John sort of way where it just looks very natural to her. Not something that she had to like learn at all. Just her, her body moves in a way that is um, really beneficial to surfing in a kind of like a sleepy but powerful way, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, she just, the way she puts a board on rail is really incredible to me the way she kind of utilizes the leverage of her limbs and creates power even with like a really kind of small frame is really impressive to me um so i think she's going to be unbelievable as well um so wow, yeah, that, was a, that was a good list it was a nice nice um nice young list which is um a real reflection of that younger pack like i said that on that boat trip that you guys did there you know, it'd be remiss of us to miss out like Kira Pinkerton and, you know, whoever else was on that trip. They're all sending it in big, big barrels. So good on them. Yeah. I mean, again, we, I think we talked about this in the last episode, but I just like what those girls did this year, I've never seen from any group of women or girls ever in professional surfing mm. ever. Mm. And the mean age of them is probably 14 it's wild <laughs> it's fucking crazy yeah. um and you know the, the wave pool stuff is one thing the airs are great and absolutely necessary and everything but god there's nothing like just 
stuffing a giant pit and they did a whole lot of that and that's mm-hmm. the, you know it's a lot not necessarily harder but a lot scarier that's for sure oh. um so wild yeah that was just i mean it was that was probably my favorite thing in general about 2020 is seeing the progression in young female surfing yeah um if anyone's interested there's a good book on that um you mentioned aaron brooks and jeans and stuff it's called the sports gene and it also has a, a touch on too on like women's improvement and men's improvement in certain sports and how the learning curve or the sorry the progression curve you know, I think for women surfing right now is, is steeper than the men's in that age group. It's yeah, and that unbelievable. As I'm, I've never read the book, but I imagine it talks about uh, kind of like the body mechanics of males versus females, and that you know women do mature physically also younger than men. You know, that's why Caroline Marks was able to come on tour at 16 and be able to compete with women who were almost mm. twice her age. Um, yeah but that is does nothing to take away from what they're doing. It, yeah. It's, it's yeah. just incredible. Um, who's your junior? Um, right there with you. Um, I don't know if there's ever been, I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess anybody would say this in their generation, but I don't know if there's ever been a 16 year old who not necessarily like is the best, but like looks that good on a surfboard while also doing significant turns like you know not just little kind of soft little pansy turns but like just real like man turns but they have that amount of like style and grace uh that's just pretty unbelievable to me i mean i guess you look back at maybe like an old parko video or something when he was that age but even they look like kind of gangly to me and jai looks really solid um so yeah it's really it's really only parko i think that comes close and i can only say that from video footage i was still shitting in me dax at parko's when he was 14 but or 15 but like over the generations like i don't i think you're spot on it's it's jordy jordy was pretty good at 16 as well oh they were ridiculously good but like like you said looking solid i mean even mick too like mick and joel were winning cts at like in a couple of years from where Jai's at. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's ridiculous how good Jai is. It's stupid. Um, and all right, so men. All right, uh, yeah. Here we go. Number five, Nathan Fletcher. Oh, I knew I'd miss someone. Ah. Yeah, I, I couldn't not have Nate on my list. I'm going to um, hit you though with, he did that air in 2021. Well, he didn't do the stab high air in 2021 i know but that looks like a small air compared to the one he did in 2021 <laughs> yeah but he, well one he landed that one and two he made a boat full of the best 25 whatever year olds in the americas look pretty silly while doing it at 45 he didn't make any um, crane look silly cranes air was ridiculous but i hear what you're saying <laughs> yeah um i, I just I mean, and, and that, I guess it leads into my next one, which is Kelly Slater. And just the idea that these kind of middle-aged, can we call them middle-aged? I think we can, statistically speaking. Middle-aged men are still so very relevant in our sport. I mean, if you look at 2020, like Kelly just on a, on an like energy and surf spirit level, like 
he was all over the world. You know, he spent, I think, as long as he possibly could in Australia. Then I think went home for a bit and then went to Indo for like three or four months. Like the guy just loves surfing. Mm. There are a lot of like, you know what I mean? Like Medina is 26 or 27 or whatever. And like, I'm sure that idea never even crossed his mind to go somewhere and surf for three months. Like it's just not the same level of love for the, the sport or not even the sport, but just the act, you know what I mean? Like Slater just loves the act of surfing so much that he truly, even at this age when, you know, most people are uh, worried about what some would call bigger and better things, you know, whether it's, you know, your, your retirement plan or, you know, your <laughs> whatever it is. And he just loves surfing more than anything. And I think that that is really amazing and admirable and, um, yeah, just really, really cool. So him and Nate, like, that's just amazing to me. And, and then and then he goes on and gets uh, third place in the Pipe Masters. And he's in the, like, the group of four with John, Gabby, and Italo. And it's like, he's twice their age almost. You know, it's, it's just unheard of that he's still able to do this sort of stuff. You reckon he's worried about his 401k? uh i don't think he has a 401k because i don't think he's ever had actually maybe maybe do do sponsors get 401ks like if you're a whatever usually usually not no not australia anyway but i'm sure he's got a a pretty beefy portfolio yeah i wonder what slater invests in what do you you think slater invests in firewire surfboards yeah he's got a, a diversified I, portfolio so i actually heard that he invested in a book that will potentially become a tv show about have you seen the sea of darkness yes it's not the sea of darkness but it's something very similar and i'll just leave it at that hmm. all right little teaser for us okay hmm. anyway so nate number five kelly number four uh yeah just they they speak for themselves but um number three uh yeah this is a little nod to you i have rio wida and i was basically more entertained i think on instagram by him than anyone this year uh there was one combo that he almost did that would have been the best combo i think ever done on a surfboard a barrel where he is literally like Nathan, but out of a better barrel, bottom turning, um, while he's basically just coming out from under the hood and goes straight into like a seamless giant full rotation air reverse. And I actually don't know how he didn't land it because he looked so planted on his surfboard, but uh, just the most outrageous thing ever. I'm sure he'll land it in the next six months, I hope. Um, And I also just, I don't think anybody barring maybe Felipe Toledo. Interesting because they both ride the same surfboard brand. Um, but I don't think anybody goes faster on a surfboard than Rio Wada. And I don't know if that's just like an Instagram perception. Maybe he's speeding up his clips a little bit. Could be anything. But like to me, he carries so much speed through turns and even over flat sections. I remember we posted a video a few months ago of him just standing there on a flat section between turns, not pumping, not doing anything. And somehow he seems to be accelerating and I don't know yeah, what's going on there. 
Um, maybe you can speak to that as a. I know exactly the wave you're talking about, and I have no idea how he did that either. I think it was maybe like high tide Chungu or something. I don't know what that wave, but it was bizarre, just bizarre. And it does. It speaks to sharp eyes boards. Like I think if you have that kind of approach to surfing and you're that body structure, those boards definitely work. So what is that kind of like short and stocky and just like a little muscle ball? Not scared to generate a little bit of speed, but once you get that speed, that thing just keeps going. Hmm. Yep. All right. So that was my number three. Number two, now we're getting into my kind of more interesting ones. I have Anthony Fillingen. Nice. Yeah. uh, The average listener might not know that name, um, but Anthony is a Costa Rican pro surfer and you know, this is a, I guess I'm a bit influenced by having lived in Costa Rica for a bit, but uh, I also just, you know, Anthony's story, for those who don't know, is basically he showed up to the Mentawise to spend whatever, three weeks or a month at um, Kandui, I always forget, it's either Kandui Village or Kandui Resort, whatever, um, and he, he, I think he's friends with the owner and he was going to shoot some promotional material with them, basically just surf all the best waves in the world uh, for a while and, and log some content for them. But when he showed up was when COVID like was literally just hitting and he had a decision to make. He, he knew that they were going to be closing the men's. He didn't know for how long. He knew he wouldn't be able to leave until they were back open. Um, so he had to make a call and say either, you know, I'm going to call it quits. I'm going to go home and be safe and blah, blah, blah. Or I can stick it out here for who knows how long and deal with whatever potential issues may arise. Um, and that is what he did. So Anthony was stuck in the mentalize for three months with only a couple other surfers and none of them at any you know significant level and basically surfed all these waves with literally no one no charter boats obviously uh just the people on the islands and put on some performances that like i don't know in in my eyes the least fun thing in the world is surfing absolutely pumping like reef waves with nobody out in the water that is like my absolute nightmare um, just the scariest thing that I can imagine, really. And he did it at one of like the biggest Kandui left swells that we've ever seen. And I think he was out there literally alone and took off and rode one of the biggest, gnarliest, scariest, ugliest Kandui waves I've ever seen. Like, I just can't imagine in a lineup where there were people out there, like that's the type of wave that I either pretend that I don't even see or that I just start scratching for the horizon or whatever. And there's there's usually one or two guys who like, you know, are the guy that will swing around and, and paddle and maybe even catch it. But to me, I don't think that that happens. I, I don't think if that guy that's out there normally, if he's out there all by himself is paddling for that wave. I think that there's something, there's some sort of false sense of security that comes with other people being in your general vicinity. And also this ego thing, like, you know, people are going to see, like, whatever, and he didn't, if if he never went on that wave, nobody would have ever seen it, nobody would have ever heard about it, it doesn't matter, like, it never would have happened, and yet he still went on that wave, and um, to me, that's just really impressive, and he also just pretty much lived out every surfer's absolute dream this year, which is being stuck in a place with perfect waves, and only a few people around, so, um, yeah, 
hats off to Anthony. Uh, I, I, I think surfing might be kind of like ruined for him now though. So maybe that was like not the best plan overall. Yeah, he can definitely roll the leads up though after if he wants to and be happy forever with some of the vision that he's seen. I just, how do you like come back from that? No one will ever, that'll never happen again. Like a rock star and like your career's over. You know what I mean? Like you're a rock star for like whatever and you live this life that you can't even like imagine and then it's just like over and just like, but not even like a rock star, like Rolling Stone kind of shit. Like perfect (laughs) Tandui. Like, no one out is maxing um yeah i don't know I, I hear you like if you're out there by yourself if i surf like two foot bank vaults or something i'd be i get knocked out of my first wave of the trip that's just i feel like <laughs> i'm not i'm just very injury prone so yeah good on him for surviving <laughs> um and so yeah and and this goes um kind of to my number one person because to me, this year was all about making the best out of your circumstances, whatever they may have been. For Anthony, that was, you know, being stuck in absolute surf heaven. Um, and I think that he did all he could there. Um, but for a lot of people, that was being stuck at home and, you know, making the best out of that situation. Uh, so for me, my number one surfer of the year is, and I don't even necessarily know how to pronounce his name but i think it's chris lauer you look you look stunned as well so i don't think you know who i'm talking about you've stunned me on your top two which is epic i love that do you know who chris lauer is i do not know i do not i do not know who that is you're gonna have to film okay i'm excited let let me let me jog your memory um this happened on the east coast of australia and oh yeah i know exactly who you're talking about now yep 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 <laughs> yep 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 yeah 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 definitely uh homegrown hometown hero wow uh so yeah for those who don't know who i'm talking about chris lauer i'm so sorry if i'm mispronouncing your name um is the guy who basically dominated a session at a wave that I don't know if I'm necessarily supposed to name it, but it's somewhere on the east coast of Australia, and it's like kind of like the east coast Australian version of ship sterns, I guess you could say. It's just this giant slab um, that doesn't break very often, but when it does, it's just extremely tricky. Like from the takeoff to the barrel itself, like it's it's never the same thing. And uh, yeah, Chris got a few waves out there. I think the most prominent of which was this one where he got to the bottom and just stood tall and put his arms out and then pulled in and got hit with a giant chandelier and somehow stayed on his feet. Um, and yeah, just it, it was just one of those performances that, you know, it, if it was anyone in the world, it would be impressive, but it just so happened to be a local guy who I think is maybe like a chef or something like that and just loves surfing big waves and uh, probably doesn't even care to be mentioned on this podcast or any podcast and um, just does it because he loves it. And and that performance was just so otherworldly to me. So He, he more or less did what Peter Mel did in the last two days, but at his home break in Sydney. Like it just, yeah psycho and um can't even believe that was this year it feels like oh last year sorry it feels like ages ago yeah fuck let's not forget when we're doing uh surfer of the year 2021 
because it's so easy. Like, I feel oh. like everybody just kind of forgets the first six months, but we can't forget like Pete Mel come sure. 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've kind of got me a bit rattled now. I did the same thing last year, and then I, I, I just remember thinking, oh, I didn't put one big wave surfer in my, um, in my top five. And I mean, there's a few reasons for that. Like, you, your number one is a big wave surfer, so you've you've done well there. But I feel like it's it's an area that I honestly kind of. I think about it and I watch it, but then I just kind of, it's just so far from my reality. It almost doesn't seem real. So it's not something <laughs> I, I think about daily. I'm not thinking about taking off on a 60 foot wave daily. I'm more thinking about, Oh, who does a good like frontside carve? Okay, cool. Well, these guys do that. So I'm going to watch their videos or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's just big wave surfing. It just seems like a whole nother, uh, a whole nother realm. So yeah, it's um crazy to see what particularly you know, the underground heroes, the guys that probably don't even really train, just go out and send it when it gets massive. Like it's so impressive. Yeah. And I mean, from all accounts that I heard on that day, like, you know, I'm sure there were some other good waves ridden, but apparently he was just so head and shoulders above everyone. Like it wasn't even, it was just like Chris and the rest of the people out there. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just seemed like he just, so totally dominated it and and i think that that's kind of what yeah this year was all about is just (laughs) making the best out of your situation and uh be fucking smash that one so i'm gonna give it to chris 100 i love that underground aussie charger from the east coast american it's you know greatly greatly appreciated to see you supporting down under mikey (laughs) i didn't didn't even know who you're talking about that's freaking it's amazing my um my honorable mention also i i really like i wish that i had six votes because i really wanted to include this person but i felt like i couldn't take out any of the others though was uh josh kerr um just i mean his 2020 was awesome he obviously the whole time was in indo with sierra and you know did everything else but uh to me just his career path in general is so fascinating and incredible like he went from being the best guy in the air shows like complete champion world champion i believe of the air show tour uh to being a kind of tour staple and veteran like he came in kind of like hot shit but then ended up being like a really solid stable competitor while he was on the ct he was competing on big wave tour events. He was like the only CT guy who actually like did that other than maybe like Slater in the Eddy or whatever, but that's kind of a one-off. And then now he's off the tour. Yeah. Um, And now he's off the tour and he is arguably the best alternative board surfer in the world. Um, So I, I, I don't, I can't even like wrap my head around that. Like he must be, one of the top five most naturally talented surfers of all time. Um, And I think that the only reason that he was never like a real threat on tour was that the one part of his surfing that kind of lacked that oomph and pizzazz was just like rail surfing. And not because his technique was bad. He was just never quite as big as some of the other guys. Like he didn't generate the same amount of power or whatever. Um, but ironically, I feel like he's doing like bigger turns now on his alt boards than he ever was on his short boards. Yeah, that's a, an amazing sixth vote. I, you know, to add to that, I think the the one of the greater gifts that he's brought to surfing is the the, the 
the reinvention of the air shows. You know, getting Red Bull and the surfers and the WSL and everyone to kind of be cohesive and to see that moving forward is, yeah, from what I know about, you know, their relationships of those three entities in the in the past, like, that was pretty sick. So, and I know all the guys, like, absolutely love doing them. They're the sickest, they're the sickest time. They're, like, the perfect, perfect thing to play off against the CT because, you know, the air show guys are a bunch of characters and to see them at the same events, like without Kersey, those that, that would have never happened because he's kind of the perfect mix of serious, but also a larrikin. And then to see it all come together is like mental. Yeah. And that's yeah. the other side of Kersey is like, he's super savvy at everything he does. I think he's been uh, a partner to some degree with two different beer companies that have like sold for huge, huge amounts one of the probably like wealthiest pro surfers ever <laughs> like he's had balter and he's had a uh, saint archer i think as well in the states and he, along with a bunch of other sort of like investments and things and yeah he's just a very very savvy man and at the end of the day very much like slater he also i don't think cares that much about that stuff he just loves surfing he mm. like just to his core, he is like a true just person who just loves, loves, loves surfing. Uh, so yeah, I would say that I admire Josh a lot. Like if I could be any pro surfer right now, it might be him. <laughs> really? I love that. If you could be any pro surfer right now, it'd be Josh Kerr. That's amazing. It just seems so fun. Like he just, he, do, he, he rides these boards. Like he, he looks he's, like he's, he's everywhere the there's waves. Time. Yeah. Yeah. He's and got this daughter coming up that's like the bet like yeah, it's just a, a the the one the tearjerker clip for me was when they get that double barrel back to back. Like that was so sick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got dream, dreams of Nikos just Oh yeah. I think that uh, I got him a surf mat for Christmas, so hopefully it's starting to happen. And he loves it too, so I'm frothing. I thought he might freak out on it and hate it. So yeah, we'll see if he wants to do it. That'll be sick. I think that um yeah, it's a pretty, we're all pretty lucky to grow up near the ocean, particularly in this time where not a lot of people can go anywhere. And the fact that we can still use that as an outlet, it's amazing. And yeah, to see, um, yeah, that clip was sick. Imagine that. Imagine getting blown out of a barrel and then kicking out and seeing your daughter getting blown out of a better one. You'd just be so pumped. <laughs> so sick.